0: Our emphasis uh, over these next few weeks has been, and will continue to be, about do something. And uh, for the last number of minutes, we've just done something, and that is that we have worshiped God through singing. I know oftentimes we can take that for granted. Oftentimes we can sleep through it and just sort of sleepwalk through our singing, and uh, I want to encourage you as a church family to not do that. And let me just explain. I just came back from Jordan where I had the opportunity to do some teaching and training with Arabic pastors, believers from Egypt, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, and Israel. I don't know if you've been reading in the news or not, but there's some pretty rough stuff happening in those nations as we came together on Monday afternoon, we were supposed to have our first sessions, and uh, some of the leaders of the conference told me that uh, as the people are coming in, that they've kind of got ISIS on their on their minds, and um, uh, we find later that some of them from the Egyptian Church knew some of the Coptic Christians whose lives were taken, and so you've got all these heavy burdens on their life, and uh, many of them brought their wives, and in that very first session, Michael. They had a worship leader that was like you. I mean, he, he was energetic and he brought out. And those people sang to the glory of God in an amazing way. And in those 20 minutes of us singing and worshiping God, it set the tone for the whole week. And from that point forward, it was, let's just see what God has to say to us. And, and it changed everything. So let's never take for granted when we get to sing praises to God and, uh, and sing that worship. Wow. Do something. Well, there are a lot of times in the Bible where God tells us specifically, you just need to do something. You need to do this. And uh, today I want us to look at a passage scripture found in John chapter 13. And also at the end of the service, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, which ties in because in John 13, it is the Passover meal, what we call the last supper that Jesus is having with his disciples. And in the midst of this supper, something takes place that is so amazing. And so let's follow with this. We're just going to walk right through this passage. It's found in John chapter 13 and starting in the very first verse. He says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It's just introducing what's getting ready to happen. Passover meal. We're getting ready to have the, the Passover meal. And uh, as we have this meal, it'll be on our Thursday night, All everything's been set up. And it says, Jesus knew His hour had come to depart out of this world. He knew that it was time. He knew that his whole purpose, main purpose for coming to this world was to go to a cross and to die for our sins. He knew this. And he knew that hours from now, he was going to be arrested and it was all going to start going kind of into fast motion from there. And so he knew it was time. knew it was time for him to depart. All of this is on his mind. In the next few hours, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be beaten, and then I'm going to be nailed to a cross. All this is on his mind. But he says he loved them to the end. I mean, he had an endless love for the world and especially for these 12 men. And he says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to destroy him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He fully understood that God had placed everything in his hands. He was getting ready to go back to God. He he knew this. But in these next few hours, these 12 men, who for close to three years he has walked shoulder to shoulder with, poured his life into is getting ready to turn over the Great Commission for them to start the church and to move forward he's got these last few hours before his death to pour into them and all this he knows rose from supper he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them now Instead of Jesus basking in the glow of all of this, of this authority that God had given him, that everything was in his hands, he literally took a towel and a water basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, you've got to understand the setting. When you look at Scripture a little earlier, you had seen that the disciples were arguing among themselves as to who was the greatest Wouldn't you love to be sitting in that crowd? All 12 talking about, well, I think I'm better. I think I'm the greatest. I think I'm the best. They're arguing who's the greatest. And earlier, James and John, who were brothers, their mother went to Jesus. I know they love this. Mother went to Jesus and said, listen, when you come into your kingdom, will you put one of my boys on your right hand, one of your boys on the left hand? Isn't that something? Next week, my mom's going to be 90 years old. She would have done the same thing, all right? (laughs) Danny's such a good boy. I think he would love to be. Could he be at the left? He's left-handed. He could be at your left hand. So they did. They went over and, and, and they asked, oh, can my sons be on the right hand and on the left hand? Peter, in a meeting of all the people, looks at Jesus and says, hey, these other guys, they may leave you behind, but me, I'll never deny you. Which he's kind of saying, you know, these guys are good to be with. I'm the top guy. They may fall away. I'll never fall away. we got a bunch of proud hearts. And then you got Judas over here, and he's already come up with a a plan to betray Jesus. And so when they file into this room, you've got a bunch of proud hearts coming into this room. And they're coming in for their Passover meal. Everything's been set up, and now they're getting ready to start their meal. But the thing is is that whenever you would travel during that day, you would have sandals, which were just a little strap of leather uh, with a, a little strap up here that would just keep it on your foot. And as you're traveling, you're walking through dust, mud, sewage, and so your feet get pretty dirty. And whenever you would come to a home, there would be a servant that would be there that would wash your feet. And then you would come on into the house. Well, this was a private party. And since it was a private party, there was no foot washer that was there. And so let's get the party started. They come on in. And they realize when they get in there that when you touch a person's feet during that day, that's something you really didn't do. That's something a slave would do or or maybe a woman would do that, you know, that would clean your feet or even touch your feet. And they were so big on shame and honor that no one would want to do that. And so you've got 12 disciples that are walking in to this, into this dinner. And as they come in with their dirty feet, they've been arguing about which one's the greatest, and they're not sure which one's the greatest. But in their mind, they definitely know that they're not going to be the least. And so you've got 24 dirty feet and 12 proud hearts sitting at the, at the table. <clears throat> so what's the table look like? Not the famous fading. The table... Would most likely is a low table and there would be three of them and it'd be U shaped. And then there would be mats and rugs around the table. And as people would come in, you would find your spot and they would recline. You heard them say, well, they would recline. Well, they would, they would lay down and, um uh, and, and they lay down and they would rest on their left arm or elbow and then they would be able to reach in and eat with their right elbow. But as they reclined, their feet were out here. So if you look kind of the spokes or so, the feet would be on the outside. So even when the foot washer came, you really wouldn't be paying attention to him because everybody's looking this way at the food, needing the food, and then he's cleaning your feet over here. So keeping that, that picture in mind, Jesus, who's there with them, apparently reclined with them, and I'm just going on the assumption, I think he waited them out. Anybody can clean anybody's feet over here? Because it says that he rose, see? He rose from supper. So he got up, which means they were probably already starting to eat. He got up and he walked around and he found a basin of water. And he also picked up a towel. He took his outer garment off. And now all of a sudden he's getting ready, prepared to um, begin to wash their feet. And in verse 5 it says that he began to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Now you know there had to be a little bit of discomfort among among the people. And for all of us, we've always been we've all been in situations to where we say, something's not right here. Somebody needs to say something, but I don't really think I'm gonna be the one to say it. But I know we got one guy in the group that will speak up. Don't you know that? It's the guy that he says stuff that sometimes is just plain stupid. And you shake your head, but then there are other times that you say, Something needs to be said, I know he'll say it. And then you're thankful, okay? Same thing here. Nobody wants to say anything. But then you know one guy's going to say, and who is that? See, it's Peter. Wouldn't it have a great for you to be known that way for your whole life? <laughs> is anybody going to stick their foot in their mouth that's in Scripture? Who is that? Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure enough, he spoke up. In verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Now, this is where understand that the Bible is written in Greek. And it's good to understand the original language because how do you read that? Lord, do you wash my feet? You could say, Lord, do you wash my feet? You know? No. The way they set it up is there's such an emphasis on the pronouns and the emphasis is on the pronoun you and my. It's like, Lord, you wash my feet? And you can almost see the picture of him either lifting his feet up or drawing them in. You know when someone reaches down to kind of wash your feet and all of a sudden he's either going to draw them in or lift them up? It's... It, it was almost objectionable. It was objectionable. Lord, you wash my feet? And then Jesus answered him. He said, If I do, he says, What I'm about going to do, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And then satisfy him. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. That phrase means you shall never forever wash my feet. You'll never do that. Now, Peter's not, not, whoo, is he being kind of haughty? No. Peter has such a respect for the Lord, he's saying, there's no way that that I'll ever let you do that. But then, what Jesus says to him in verse 9, at the verse 8, he says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Which means, if you don't let me wash my feet, you can't be a part of me. Well, that's the last thing that Peter would ever want. Because he always wanted to be connected to him. And so then Peter came back to him in verse 9 and he said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a full bath. Just bathe me. Jesus' response though. He says in verse 10, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. He says, listen, when you come to an event like this, you bathe and you're clean. And the only thing that gets dirty is your feet because you're walking on. So, no, you don't need a full bath. You just need to clean your feet. Some have taken that also to say that when you make a decision for Christ, all our sins are washed away and we are clean. But in our daily life, as we walk through life, we get dirty. We mess up. We sin. And so we need to come to the Lord... And allow him to do that cleansing work every day, daily, we come to him. And so he says, Peter, you're fine. You just got to let me clean your feet now. And so, Peter allows him to do that. And when he does it, look look what happens. And he says in verse 12, when he had washed their feet, and he put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? I'll guarantee you, Peter did not raise his hand on this one. Because nobody knew. (laughs) I mean, they're sitting there. Do you understand what I've done to you? No, we've got no idea. I'm going to explain it to you. Verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Now, when he says teacher and Lord, you call me teacher and Lord, you have put me in a place of respect and authority over you. And everyone could nod their head, that is correct. And in verse 14, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I want you to follow on what he said. He says, if then I, your Lord and teacher, if I washed your feet, you ought also to wash. And you know when people speak, sometimes you begin to fill in what they're going to say before they finish it. You ever done that? If you do that a whole lot in marriage, it's not a good thing, right? <laughs> I want to Yeah, I know, I know. No. Hear them out. Because sometimes people will say something, you go, Oh, I didn't I didn't know that was coming. Now how would you have filled this sentence in? If Lord, if I'm Lord and teacher and I have washed your feet, you also should wash mine. It's what I would think. Because you know, there's only one person there that's got dirty feet, and that's Jesus. So you would think that when he's talking to them, he says, hey, I'm Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet, then you should wash mine. But he didn't. He says, you should wash one another's. This is what sent some, some shockwave ripples throughout the crowd. He says, I'm the Lord, I've washed your feet. Now, what you need is you need to wash one another. Now, if he had said you need to wash my feet, there would have been a fight among 12 to be first in line to wash his feet because they would have said that would be a privilege to wash Jesus's feet. But he didn't say that. He said to wash one another's. And so now all of a sudden, when he says, you're supposed to look around the table and you're supposed to be washing one another's feet, that's when the crowd got a little bit quieter. He's saying, if if I, as your Lord, can stoop down to wash your feet, then you need to be willing to wash the feet of each one of those that is sitting around this table. And so, for us, when we realize what Christ has done for us on the cross, then we need to then go and we need to serve others. Because we said... I was not deserving of his death on the cross for my sins. And I've received this incredible gift. I then humble myself and serve others. And he comes back in verse 15 and says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Now, the power of an example. Do you think this is burned in their mind? When you saw the Lord of the universe washing feet and came by and washed your feet, that is a powerful example. And he says, you have this example. Why do you have this example? That you also should do just as I've done to you. Do something. You should do. Just as I've done to you, you should do that. And you should wash other people's feet. Now, he's not just talking about the physical act of washing feet. He's talking about the attitude of humility and service. And he says, you just need to do the same thing. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. There is uh, authority there. But in verse 17, he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, he didn't sit there and say, if you know these things in your head, congratulations. He says, no. If you know these things... And do them, you will be blessed. That means we can't just sit here in our Sunday school classes and our worship and in our choir and talk about, Hey, we need to serve others, need to have a humble heart. God's word says that. He says, that's that's fine. But the blessing doesn't come until you actually do this. Until you do this. There's no division between head understanding and life practicing. So, what we do and where the joy in life comes, he says, you will be blessed. That means that the joy in my life will come when I roll up my sleeves, grab a towel, gently, graciously, lovingly, go wash someone's feet. Go serve someone. That's what God's called us to do. And when we talk about do something, he's saying, take the towel. And what I want you to do is always be thinking just that phrase, take the towel. That'd be easy to keep in mind. Just take the towel. Jesus had all authority. It was in his hands. Guess what he did? He said, I'm going to take a towel and I'm going to take a basin of water and I'm going to wash these guys' feet. I'm just going to take a towel. So, when you take a towel, how do you take the towel? And when do you take the towel? I'm going to give you four things to think about. Are you ready? Number one, you take the towel when the need is present. Take the towel. When the need is present. Now this was easy to see. There were 24 dirty feet sitting around the room. There was a need to wash someone's feet. That was the need. There was no foot washer that was, uh, that was engaged to be there. The need was there. I got to do that. Folks, we need to just look around. There are servant possibilities all around us. And as believers, when we think about do something, take a towel, it means to have a servant mindset. Always walking, looking, how can I serve? What can I do? I give you little small things. You could just walk around this campus. You ever walked around this campus and seen somebody drop a coffee cup or a paper wrapper or something like that? How often have you walked past that? What would it take just to bend down, pick it up, and find a trash can on there? Everybody's got Purell in your car, so you can then wash your hands when it's done. <laughs> you don't know where it's been. Ah, I know where it's going to end up. In the trash can, come on. Uh, I mean, little things like that. You ever seen a single parent that's struggling on some things? Maybe, maybe try to help, help them out. You know, Greg Alexson, our uh, men's ministry has a ministry called seven two 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And once a month on Saturday mornings, they will get together and they'll do a project for people here in this church. Mainly senior adults or those that are going through some uh, health struggles. And they'll gather a bunch of men and they'll take their Saturday morning from 7 to 9 and go out there and just serve them. And just serve them. And do some of the hard yard work that maybe can't be done by those people anymore. It is just looking for ways to serve and places to serve. So when do you take the towel? When the need is present. So hold on to your towel. Walk around your community, your neighborhood, your work, your school, and if you can ever help serve somebody, take the towel and serve them. Number two is regardless of position. You take the towel regardless of the position. The Father had put everything into Jesus' hands, and he picks up a towel and a basin. He was sovereign, yet he became a servant. He was master, yet he served his followers. Regardless of position. Listen, folks. People worry about rank, position, place, prestige, what order they are. Jesus says, and he shows us, that we serve no matter what our position, regardless of your position. Now, it's always easier to serve those that are above you. You know, there there are these different positions. And so, to serve people above you, that's kind of easy, because you're you know either either you work for them or you have a great respect for them they're kind of an authority figure and it's easy to serve them because they're authority those that are below you sometimes that's a little tougher but you can find those that that their lot in life is not the same as yours when you go on mission trips every mission trip you go on you are probably more educated and more financially uh, established than any other person you meet on that mission trip but yet you're going to stop and you're going to serve them. And you look for that. Look for that in the community. Those that have less and say, okay, I'm I'm going to to serve you. You see, we can do that. You know what the hardest is? Is to serve those that are on the same level as you are. To serve laterally. There's something that I call peer positioning. Even though you're peers, you still position yourself. We're like this. We come into a room we kind of position ourselves now we're equals but we position ourselves and um, and though I'm your equal at school, at work athletics church there's still that desire to say I'm not going to be lower than you and if I serve you, I kind of put you a little bit above me, I don't think I want to do that and that's where it's the hardest for us in life and that's exactly what Jesus asked his disciples to do. Wash one another. Remember that whose greatest conversation y'all are having coming in? Guess what? That's his feet I want you to wash. And for some of us, it's hard to serve the people that we are in peer position. Maybe people we're in competition with. Competition for that next position in the office. Competition for that place on the starting lineup in, in athletics. And he's saying, wash one another's. Every one of those 12 would say, I'd like to be the number one guy next to Jesus. Wash their feet. Even if you're in competition, pure positioning. It may be, it seems to be the most difficult for us to do, but it's exactly what Jesus said to do. You serve one another. Whether they're above you, whether they're below you, or whether it's lateral serve one another. All right. Take the towel, regardless of position. None of us can say that we are too good, have too much, know too much, been here too long or give too much. We're all on equal ground when it comes to service. Okay. So regardless of position, number three is regardless of distractions. Sometimes we say, well, you know, God, I'd really like to serve you if it was a better time. No, think about distractions. Jesus when people say you got the weight of the world on you, he truly had the weight of the world on him. He was getting ready to go to a cross. And when he goes to the cross, not only was it the most physical death known, but it was also from a spiritual standpoint the greatest spiritual separation that's ever happened in all of history. To where mind cannot even understand that there will come a time when God the Father will be separated from God the Son. That, that is just unbelievable. And so the pain that he would feel is beyond anything we can even imagine. And in the midst of all of those distractions, and they're sitting there eating a meal, when he could have just snapped his finger to any one of those guys and said, hey, Peter, James, John, any of those guys, hey, we need to get a foot washer over here because you go over there and get that towel and basin. They do it. They may grumble a little bit, but they do it. But he didn't. All these things on his mind, regardless of distractions, guess what he did? He took the towel and he served. I'm just going to do a little step out here and tell you that I think those are the best times to serve. That maybe when you're in the midst of all these distractions, maybe when you're kind of freaking out on things and all these other things are happening, maybe that really is the best time for you to look and see someone that you can serve and then just go on and and serve them. Because we've all got busy schedules. We've all got things that can distract us. What God says is, what Jesus is saying is, take the towel and let's serve others. Do something. Let's serve others. And last of all, regardless of the type of feet, regardless of the type of feet, we are not called to be foot inspectors. We're called to be foot washers. So don't be inspecting feet. But there are different kinds of feet, aren't there? First, there's beautiful feet. They're beautiful feet. They're pretty feet. You know what I got to say? It. Uh, my wife has got the prettiest feet known to me. I mean, uh, it's funny because my mom, when she first met Janice and she's talking about her, she said, you know what, Danny? She's got such pretty feet. And she does. And, uh, and there are people with just beautiful feet. You know who those are? Those are the people that we love, the people that we get along with, people like to hang out with. We got to serve them. Beautiful feet, oh, that's kind of fun to watch the beautiful feet, isn't it? Second of all, they're ugly feet. I just got to tell you, God did give some of us ugly feet. I've uh, just, um, mm, you ever gone to the beach and kind of walked around? I think I put some slippers on that thing, uh, over there, but there are ugly feet, but you know what? They're people that we would call ugly people. They're just not like us. It's not so much ugly as how they look. It's ugly because the things that they do and the things that they say, are so opposite from us. They're just not our kind of people. In the world's eyes, they may be pretty people, but in our eyes, they may be ugly people because they just do things that are, that are shameful. They do things that are completely against God's word and completely against everything we believe. And so our first reaction is that we want to stay away from them and not to serve them. But you know, their are feet. And they're feet that need to be washed. And some of the greatest things that we can do is to kneel down and take a towel. And wash their feet. One of the greatest things I've had the privilege to do is four of the last five years is to go to Jordan to work with these pastors from this country. And the first time we did this was in 2011. And you've got Arabic pastors, Egypt, Israel, Jordan, Lebanon. And at that time, we even had some from Syria. And uh, it was very uncomfortable. Because when they came, they got in their group, in their countries, they stayed together. And in fact, the first night we were there, there were people getting in into an argument. I said, what am I doing? And, and there, there was tension between, they're believers in Christ, but there was this tension. And they would look at each other as kind of the ugly people. And then over the last couple of years, through some of the work uh, that we've done, as we've found ways to, to kind of serve each other and to pray for each other, and it's almost like get a pen pile from a different country. When I walked in in 2015 and see all these people, it's like a family reunion. The love they have for each other. All the walls have broken down. There's no barriers. And you'll sit around and you'll see people, people from Lebanon, Jordan, and Egypt just all talking and interacting. And it's just like old friends. It's amazing what has happened and to see that change. Part of it is just they're willing to serve each other. And you see it and you watch it as you go through there. They're beautiful feet, they're ugly feet, but you know they're also there's some smelly feet. Woo! <laughs> and you know this. Poor mamas that have to raise boys and uh, and take those shoes off. Oh goodness. And those nasty socks, uh, and, 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 then have you ever had the privilege of one of those real stinky shoe things and then stick it up to your nose and say, Hey, smell my shoes. Oh no, there are smelly feet. And the last thing you want to do with smelly feet is get down there and wash it. Well, there are a lot of people whose lives are just caught in sin and their life just stinks and it's smelly. And for a lot of us, we should only thing to do with them. You know, they are so deep in it, I don't want to serve them. But you know what? They could be so deep in that sin, that's, they need you as a believer to stoop down and to show them you care and to serve them. And to say, hey, these are smelly feet. I got a clean gospel. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to serve you. And you will be amazed that some people will step back and say, I can't believe that, that you would do this for me, that you would help me financially with this or, or that you would help me when I'm I'm caught in a pickle over here and, and I can't go pick up my kids. And you said, yes, I'll go do that and I'll help pick up your kids or, or I'll do something. You know, while you're gone, we're going to cut your yard or whatever it may be. We're just going to serve you. That's going to mean a lot. The fourth kind of foot is hurting feet. All of us have experienced hurting feet. It's where your feet just hurt. Life's been tough. There are some pains that have come into your life and into the lives of others that would would be so nice is for someone just to serve them. And it may be a meal. It may be to, can I sit with an aging parent? Can I give you a break over here? Can I babysit your children? You know, just serve you. And last of all, there's tired feet. Tired feet that need rest. Hurting feet, they need some consolation. Tired feet just need some rest. And we can help serve them. There's all kind of feet out there, folks. We just got to take a towel, do something. Be that servant. Just like you got different feet, you're going to have different reactions. Do you know that Jesus sat there and he washed Peter's feet knowing then the next few hours, Peter was going to deny him. Then he goes over to Judas, who's getting ready to betray him. All right, three years we've been together. You've heard everything I've taught, you've seen everything I've thrown out, you've seen every miracle. And yet, you are selling me out for 30 pieces of silver. And he washed his feet. Listen, we don't serve people so that they'll come back and give us an attaboy and say, thank you for doing that. That's not why we do it. We do it because God's called us to do it. And Jesus could do that with Judas, knowing he's not getting the attaboy from him. He's going to get a kiss on the cheek a few hours from now, which is a sign for the Romans to arrest him. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is not to get Instagram pictures that we can send out to everyone that we have... Served. You know, Jesus did not. When he got up from the table, he didn't say, "Hey guys, just want to let you know, I'm getting ready to serve you right now. I'm getting ready to wash your feet. This is a servant moment. Be ready." No, he just quietly came by and did it. Okay, there's going to be different kind of reactions. Juan Quak, y'all, if you've been with us with GICs, you know, you know Juan, and uh, Juan and his family has been with us, and he was with us on this trip. And I'd never really gotten all of his testimony. His dad had been a pastor. I didn't know that. He'd been a rebellious young guy. And he was doing the church stuff. But he was one believer. And he went on a youth camp. And as he went on a youth camp, the youth camp speaker said, um, We're gonna do this thing like John thirteen, we're gonna wash people's feet. And what I want you to do is I want you to grab a towel and some water, and I want you to go to the person who has ticked you off, who you think has just been obnoxious to you and been mean to you and hurt you, and I want you to go wash their feet. And Juan said, you know, I thought I was a pretty good guy. Three people came to him. (laughs) He says, three young people came to me. He says, me? He just... I thought I was the good, nice guy. And he said, when those three came to me, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me to where God says, yes, Juan, you're a sinner. And he said, it had never occurred to me. And he said, I realized right then and there, I was a sinner separated from God. And he said, I prayed to receive Christ that night. And my whole life has changed because of that. There are gonna be different reactions when we serve people. I just want to encourage you. Do something. Take the example of what Jesus has done and do something. I want to close my message with a quote from F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer. uh, Written some incredible commentaries. Listen to what he says. I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above the other. And the taller we grew in Christian character, the easier we could reach them. I now find that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath the other. It is not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower, that we have to go down, always go down, to get his best gifts. We always go down. We have a spirit of humility. We are willing to serve others. And that's where God's best gifts are. Jesus walked away from that dinner, having washed the disciples' feet, stooping as a servant. But hours later, he did the ultimate of serving, to where he gave his life. And he gave his life going to the cross. To die for our sins. So, as we close our service, we want to remember Him through the taking of the Lord's Supper. And the taking of the Lord's Supper is something that is open to everyone who is a believer in Christ. And so, if you're a guest of ours today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can partake of this Lord's Supper. If you're sitting here today and say, you know, I've never really made that decision. I'm not a believer in Christ. I've just come. I've enjoyed coming. And and, uh, what I would ask you is that when we pass the plates, that you pass it but don't partake of it. It is for believers to do in remembrance of what Christ has done for us. But at the same time, as you pass that plate, I want you to listen to what we talk about it. I want you to think about the songs that we'll be singing. And and the greatest thing that could happen for you today is to make the decision at Juan Kwok made. And that was to understand that, yes, you are a sinner, and Christ died for your sins. And you need to make that decision to receive him into your heart. I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time and, uh, and to prepare the elements. And uh, as each one of them will get in their place, as soon as they're in their place, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And as soon as I say amen, then they'll begin to pass the elements. What I ask you to do is just to take the element and hold on to it. And as you hold on to it, I want you to think about the significance of it and the significance of Christ going to the cross. I would really like to go a step further and zero in, drill down on what we talked about today, taking a towel and being a servant. And I would love for you in these few moments to pray to the Lord and say, God, if my heart is too prideful, if it's too prejudicial, will, will you make some changes in my heart? Will you help me to be more humble so that I will be able to see those servant opportunities? Lord, will you take the distractions of my schedule and I know I'm still going to be busy. I know that's just life, Lord. But in the midst of that busyness, will you help me to have the eyes to see those that need me to serve? And allow me to take that towel with me. You take those moments and allow God to speak to your heart. And then after we have a few moments, then I will walk through and talk to you about each one of the elements. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your son gave us the example of taking the towel and washing feet and being the servant. And we thank you, Lord, that he's gone to the cross to die for our sins. As we partake of this Lord's Supper, you said that we're to do it in remembrance of you. May we remember you and may you speak to our heart and our spirits and help us also to be that same type of servant. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.